You're listening to One More Decision, a short update from the team that brings you the geopolitics podcast, One Decision. Every week, we speak to lawmakers, academics and experts, reflecting on the key decisions that shape all our lives. Together with my co-host, the former Chief of British Intelligence, Sir Richard Dearlove, we explore some of the biggest issues and choices facing our world. We drop our full episodes every Thursday. But today, a quick look at what is happening in Western Africa. In the summer of 2021, Malian soldiers, led by the vice president, a former coup leader from the year before, seized the new president and his cabinet, stripping them of their powers and taking control for themselves. It was the third coup in Mali in just 10 years. Just a couple of months later, the president of neighbouring Guinea was captured by soldiers mounting a coup d'etat following gunfights in the capital, Conakry. And last autumn, in Burkina Faso, also in Western Africa, the military ousted the interim president over his alleged inability to deal with the country's Islamist insurgency. That president had come to power himself in a coup d'etat less than a year before. So last month, when the presidential guard in Niger announced they had captured their country's president and removed the civilian-led government, it seemed like the last domino to fall in a region plagued by instability and powerful militaries taking control for themselves. But Niger is of particular importance to not just the West, but for Africa. A close security partner of the United States and France, it became the country where Western powers relocated their troops after being booted out from other Western African countries who have signed agreements with Russian mercenaries instead. The newly elected Nigerian president is leading regional ultimatums to the coup leaders to restore the government or face direct action. They have until Sunday to act. My co-host Sir Richard Dearlove, who was the former chief of MI6, still has some pretty good contacts with his old colleagues in France, Niger's former colonial power. He caught up with them this week, and so I thought it would be a good idea to catch up with him to hear his thoughts on what's happening in Niger and why it matters to all of us. Well, for a start, it's a Western ally, and it does have a democratically elected president, Mohamed Bozum. The French have a significant regional interest because it's a supplier, a significant supplier of uranium to the French nuclear, civilian nuclear program. And of course, uh, the US also has troops there. And, you know, it's one of the countries in the Sahel which hasn't succumbed to a military takeover, like Burkina Faso, Mali, both of which in the Wagner Group um, had a hand and where Russian influence is displacing an area which was regarded very much as their backyard by the French state. So it's a pretty serious and alarming development when you look at it in context, because if this third country goes down to a coup which is sympathetic to the Russians, it looks to me very much like as though Putin is trying to pressurise Macron in, as I said, France's sort of geopolitical backyard. And I I don't think we have a clear explanation about the composition of the coup, but it looks to me, I mean, I'm deeply suspicious, and so are my friends in France to whom I've been speaking, that this has, you know, Putin's fingerprints on it. Well, Prigozhin's fingerprints, but actually, you know, that would be Putin mucking around in areas of Western interest. Because if if, if you believe 
the Russians, which I solidly do, are conducting, you know, what I would say, a grey warfare against Western interests. They will look for pressure points, and this is a Western pressure point. The African Union has given the coup leaders this ultimatum of, of 15 days in which to return to civilian governance and to release the president who is currently being detained. Yeah, but it's also, I think, ECOWAS, the economic community of West African states, joined with the African Union in making that démarche. And the other thing that's happened is that Nigeria has switched off the power to, or my understanding is they are switch, have switched it off, are threatening to switch it off. I think they've actually switched it off because Nigeria supplies maybe up to 70% of Niger's electricity supply. I want to talk to you about the Russian angle, which I think is so interesting. But just quickly before we do, since you did briefly mention Nigeria, some of the issues which have put some pressure on Niger, considering um, the countries it shares a border with, it has had to deal a bit with Boko Haram militants. Um, It does share a border with Nigeria. There have been other Islamist militants who the Nigerians have had to deal with. They've displaced uh, lots of villages outside of the cities. And Niger has also had to deal with some instability from the Libyan civil war as well. And what I'm asking is what happens if Niger then becomes a failed state? What happens to other countries in the region when Niger, which was a little bit, I mean, certainly not perfect, but was a little bit of an oasis of stability in what is a very unstable region? Well, I think if the West, as it were, loses its alliance with Niger, that's a pretty serious development. I mean, from two possible points of view. I mean, either because there will be creeping Islamist influence and they will be less effective in, as it were, the the role that they've played against Islamists in the region. Or similarly, you know, it represents another Russian bridgehead. I mean, the French friends who I've spoken to are pretty angry about what's going on and accuse actually the Elysee of being rather neglectful of French interests in the area. And if you viewed over time, I mean, they allowed Mali to slip out of their grip. They allowed Burkina Faso to slip out of their grip. And now, you know, there are some very, very worried military figures uh, and intelligence figures in Paris saying, you know, what on earth is Macron up to? And I looked in... um, the French satirical journal Le Canard en Chanet, and there's been this very public disagreement between Macron and the head of the French intelligence service, the DGSE, and Macron saying he should have been warned that the coup was imminent and had a chance to take preventive action, and the head of the DGSE saying he warned uh, the Elysee several months ago of the possibility of a coup, and they weren't the slightest bit interested and did nothing. So let's see where that leads. Uh, It's a pretty um, embarrassing public dispute. I read the reports in The Times that went into uh, President Macron, who had been embarrassed that France apparently had appeared to have been blindsided. Obviously, France, Niger is very important to France because, as you mentioned, it relies heavily on its uranium to fuel its nuclear power stations. And also, Niger plays an important role in helping to protect France from Islamic terrorism on French soil. Um, There are about 1,500 French soldiers 
on the ground and I think slightly fewer American soldiers as well. The head of the DGSE, he claims that he warned the Elysee that a coup was possible. I mean, coups have happened in Niger since independence from France. I guess coups are possible uh, in a lot of similar countries in Africa that are new uh, new democracy or newly independent from colonial powers. But how much of this was an intelligence failure, do you think? And what could France have done with a mere 1,500 soldiers on Nigerian soil? Well, probably quite a lot. The troops that are there, my understanding is French Foreign Legion, they're a pretty tough bunch. They could have thrown in some of their paras. They could have coordinated with the Americans. The Americans could have reinforced. Uh, and I mean, I think the problem at the moment is we don't really know what the political composition of the coup leaders is. Um, I mean, the suggestion that's been made to me, it is uh, the ultimate issue is about tribal balance in the leadership. But I don't know enough about the ins and outs of, as it were, the competing tribal groups to know whether that's a true explanation and, of course, there is this threat now by the African Union and the ECOWAS states that there would or could be a, a, an African military intervention. I think the French will try to keep out of it. I think the Americans will try to keep out of it. And um, the coup leaders using one of these anti-French organisations that exist in that part of the world got a lot of people out onto the streets and organised some sort of pretty violent demonstration in front of the French embassy. So there is a, a certain amount of tension. And you know that the French have already taken out a big group of foreign nationals, which they flew out because of the threat of violence. The Americans may not have taken hugely concrete steps yet, but the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, a few days after all this transpired, he gave quite a bleak, stark warning to the coup leaders. He said, let me be very clear about this. Our economic and security partnership with Niger, which is significant, hundreds of millions of dollars, depends on the continuation of the democratic governance and constitutional order that has been disrupted by the actions of the last few days. He does appear to be threatening quite a lot of money, and that's something that I'm sure the coup leaders will be considering. The French have suspended all development aid to the country, which makes up, I think, around 40% of Niger's GDP. There's clearly a lot of brass tacks for these coup leaders to consider, but, I mean, what else can the international community do? Well, I think that they're doing what you initially do in these cases. You know, with withholding economic support is a pretty heavy sanction to a country which is as poor and as needy as, as, as Niger. And uh, I think if there's any sort of military intervention, it's likely to be an African military intervention, maybe with some sort of logistic support from the French in terms of things like transport or logistical supplies. But I, this hasn't played out yet. But all I would say is there are a lot of very angry people in Paris who are fed up to the back teeth with um, Macron and the sort of style of his foreign policy, and uh, in particular his neglect of an area which has been um, politically and economically really important to France for many, many years. Well, someone who is stepping into the void left by France are the Russians and, and the Chinese. I wanted to ask you 
about the Russian angle and Russian involvement, I thought it was really interesting that both the the coup leaders, the military junta leaders of both Mali and Burkina Faso were at the Africa Leaders Summit in St. Petersburg recently, and they were actually there when the coup in Niger happened. And I also heard that there was a telegram channel that's affiliated with Alexander Dugin, who is this ideologue who's said to be very influential with Putin. And of course, it was his daughter who was killed in this explosion uh, in Russia last year. Apparently, he wrote, according to this channel, which is affiliated with him, Niger is ours. The last pockets of French Africa is overthrown right for the start of the Russian Africa Forum, Niger to Nigerians. Now, I thought it was interesting because Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister, he didn't criticise the coup. He didn't call for civilian government to be reinstalled, but he did call for the president to be released. And I think that's sort of the furthest the Russians have gone. But there were people on the streets waving the Russian flag. This is obviously another sort of boon for Wagner mercenaries who are very, very present in the region. What do you think is at stake if civilian government is not restored? Will Wagner mercenaries step into the void that has been filled by French security forces and French soft power and their diplomats? Is this another country which will effectively be under Putin's boot? Strategically, it's not a big deal. But on the other hand, it's significant. And it's a way of prodding at Western interest and involvement. And it will look, you know, if what you're describing happens and Prigozhin and the Wagner group become more prominent, you know, it will be seen as a move forward, an aggressive move forward by the Russians. Um, I think it's going to make the French government sit up very sharply and reconsider their position in the region because they've lost a lot of ground. Okay, that Niger, I think, is the, the third supplier of importance to the uh, French nuclear industry in terms of uranium. But, and it probably could be replaced. But on the other hand, that takes time and it creates awkwardnesses. And, you know, I'm absolutely sure that this is a step along the grey warfare route um, with Russia, you know, getting at the West at points of vulnerability. Uh, I think we will need to sit down in the West generally and think hard about how we, you know, prevent the dominoes falling over in this region, which is strategically important because it's potentially rich in natural resources. And, you know, it's a problem because of the fight against Islamist terrorism, which, and, and I mean, the other longer term problem which affects France affects the UK of course is 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 the likelihood is you get a stream of more refugees coming out do you think that's part of Putin's plan oh definitely yeah 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 I mean he's you know this is about destabilizing the countries of Europe in in any way that's possible and um, Niger is it has been an important European ally and this is a step towards further destabilization I'm absolutely sure of that Certainly, it's what the French intelligence community are saying privately. And uh, the French military, I know, are furious about this having been a sort of allowed to develop and happen. 
That's it for this week's episode of One Decision. We drop new episodes every Thursday. Like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Drop us a line. Tell us your thoughts. What decisions have impacted you and where you live? You can write to us. Our email is onedecision at onedecisionpodcast.com. From me and the team, thank you for listening and see you next time.